The next major part of the book is about religious trauma and the overlap between Christofascism and religious trauma. So explain the connection to me. When you have an authoritarian mentality and authoritarian government and authoritarian family, um, somebody has to be the strong man. Somebody has to rule. And in that ruling, you suppress the needs and the wants of other people. You dominate. And so other people have to be less than you, whether that's a nation like Germany, where you have you know, the small group of white people who are dominating and they wanna get rid of 6 million Jews, um, whether that's a family where the father is dominant and the other children and the wife must be submissive. Um, when there is domination and suppression, there is invariably trauma. And built into fundamentalist Christian theology is this fear of going to hell, this fear of being less than God wants you to be, this fear of sinning, this fearing, fear of not being perfect, uh, the fear of sexuality, uh, the fear of um, so many things in the world. And so you have to wall yourself off and you have to look at those other people as sinners. I'm not a sinner. I'm separate from all that. I'm saved from all that, which is another way of saying I'm superior. But in reality, I know in my case, I didn't feel superior. I felt inferior. You know, I did realize on some level all that I was missing out on, but I called that sinful. I called that worldly. And, and that made me feel better, you know, because I'm not one of those. I'm a born again Christian. All of that produces trauma. I remember, um, Back in the day, we're talking like probably before the 80s, um, part of fundamentalist Christianity is you don't dance, you don't drink, you don't go to movies, you don't smoke, and um, you don't play cards. We called that the filthy five, okay? I remember I, didn't, I couldn't go to my high school prom or didn't want to go because I'm a Christian. We don't do that. And I remember coming home from some alternative prom that the church uh, held for us. And I came home about midnight. My parents are in bed. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table. I turn on the radio. And Acker Bilk was playing that wonderful instrumental, Stranger on the Shore. And I saw these cars going by. Oh, what the hell is that? Oh, that's my senior prom. They've left the, the high school, which was just down the street, and they're going up down, they're going downtown to the movie theater to see West Side Story. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not part of that in a very arrogant way, but inside I'm going, oh God, I'm a stranger on the shore. I'm left out. That's, 
that's part of the experience I'm talking about. There's so many value conflicts that go into this type of worldview. On the one hand, there's a bit of that remnant theology that I am God's chosen remnant on the earth to be a witness to him. I'm separate from the world. I live here, but I don't participate in it, right. but also a dominion type of theology that I am also called to rule over Absolutely. everybody else, yeah. all the worldly systems. And a superiority, you know, my job is to convert them. My job is to get them in the fold. Oh, these poor people. Um, you know, I, I really, I, I, I'm here to save them. And that justifies a lot of stuff in your head. It is interesting, the connection between the strong man, the need and desire for a strong man and a strong personality, yeah. uh, kind of that cult of personality figure and religious trauma that yeah. it actually does more damage, even though it creates a sense of hyper-confidence in them. Uh, it's actually going to result in a lot of trauma yeah. for them yeah. or could. Um, I'm never sure how to pronounce her name, Dr. Christine Dumas, who wrote the book Jesus and John Wayne. You know, I think she talks about this a bit in her book. I quoted her in Confronting Christofascism. Uh, but yeah, you know, every dysfunctional family, every dysfunctional culture needs a strong man and uh, an abuser of sorts. And certainly um, Republican culture right now reflects that on so many levels. So do you consider yourself more of a sufferer or a survivor of religious trauma? I very much consider myself a survivor. There was a time when I was only a sufferer. Uh, and I look back on that person and I have great compassion for her. And I've done a lot of work on that in therapy. Um, but certainly today, I feel that I have survived an enormous amount. And yet, I'm aware of the really long-term effects of that trauma. And, you know, it had its tentacles in me and still does in, in small ways in my life, you know. Whenever I feel myself feeling, feeling maybe less than or somehow different or other people learn more stuff than I learned, you know, all of that. Um, I, I can feel that maybe there's a little fingernail of those tentacles that's wiggling around in my psyche. And I kind of go, yeah, that's how I was raised, mm. but that's not true. That's not who I am today. Um, sometimes, you know, I will, I will tantrum or fly off the handle. And there was so much rage in my family. Some of it was spoken and, and, and expressed, and a lot of it wasn't. And so sometimes uh, I, I feel this rage in my body. And, and now, thank God, today I recognize it. And I can say, oh, okay, I don't have to express this. I see what's going on. This is from, this is from those days in my childhood when I had no recourse but to explode. 
So yeah, I'm a survivor and I'm not thoroughly cured and I don't know that anyone ever is. <laughs> yeah, you described perfectly the trauma response there, that kind of that fight mode immediately that some of us have with trauma. Yeah. You go immediately into a response of trying to take control over things, mm -hmm. you become aggressive. Uh, and of course, others experience trauma responses differently. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, now you have dealt with religious trauma in your own life, but you've also seen it in your own communities and in so many other people. What would you say are some of the large, the number one circumstances that cause religious trauma, the adverse religious experiences that people have? Well, I would certainly say that the hypocrisy that we've talked about is, is right up there at the top of the list. The ghastly hypocrisy um, when people grow up with or are, are around uh, folks who who professed to be these devout Christians, but secretly sexually abuse their kids or batter their kids or are inwardly hateful and racist and corrupt. And so um, what I've seen so much of and have felt in my own life as, you know, as I was healing from this are the feelings of shame and fear um, that either drive people insane or drive them away from this religion entirely. Um, because I believe that people know deep down that they're worth much more than the way they're being treated by these groups. And it's no accident that, um, that this happens in fundamentalist homes where we talked about the authoritarianism, Jesus and John Wayne. And I don't think one of the questions that you asked me is, is this about a few bad apples? No, I do not believe that that is the case. I believe that it is a cultural, a cultural phenomenon in um, fundamentalist Christianity, in that culture. Like you're saying, a lot of guilt, shame, and fear are being conditioned into people. Absolutely. And, you know, when you begin with everybody is born sinful, mm. everybody is born inherently evil, and that without the born again experience, you're constantly going to be drawn into sin, and you're going to go to hell after you die. Um, this, is, this is shame and fear at its ultimate. And so that you are enculturated with this mentality. And it's one of the things that I find in myself and that I find in other religious trauma survivors is really a big issue that must be addressed. What would you say were the major steps that you took in order to mostly heal from religious trauma or to begin the healing process? Even after I got my education and got my degree, I was still struggling with my sexual orientation. And when I found the women's movement and found support for my sexual orient orientation and was able to come out of the closet at age 26 and, and go from there, um, that was a huge piece. But um, one of the things that happened along the way in my late 20s and early 30s is that I got involved in new age religions. Now, new age religions uh, 
really focus on positive thinking and de-emphasizing negative thinking. And that can be very appealing to someone who's been raised with, I'm a sinner, I'm going to go to hell. I constantly have to, even after the born again experience, I constantly have to check myself and make sure that I'm not sinning. Um, to have somebody say, you are perfect in every way, you are God's special child, you are fine the way you are, but don't think about these negative things. Oh, you have some feelings of regret about your childhood. You know, just be grateful for all the good things you got. You great, be grateful your parents didn't beat you. Be grateful that you weren't abandoned in the street. You know, have so you have so much to be grateful for. Don't dwell on the negative. And so one of the things that that led to for me was what many of us call spiritual bypassing, where you do just focus on the good things and you, you kind of think, well, this bothers me a little bit. Maybe I should see a therapist. Nah, I don't need to see a therapist. I'll just focus on the positive. Well, meanwhile, this urge to see a therapist was about wanting to heal the trauma and not knowing how to do that myself. Around the age of 40, you know, I kind of got emotionally run over by a truck. You know, it was like, boom, <laughs> positive thinking isn't going to do it for you anymore. You really need help. And that's when I did get into long-term therapy, union therapy, and I was able to go very deep with these wounds and very deep into healing as well as looking at the wounds. So that's pretty much the pathway for me. And the pathway has continued uh, over the years. Every day I experience some form of healing. Um, maybe it feels kind of small, but it's, it's not small. And I'm grateful for it. Final question, where can people get a copy of your book? People can get a copy of my book on Amazon or they can order it through their local bookstore. It's readily available in all forms on Amazon, Kindle, hard copy. Um, go there and, and get the book and read it. And if you aren't familiar with Christofascism, please do educate yourself on this very important and relevant in the moment topic. Carolyn, thank you so much for doing this interview with us. I think your work is absolutely essential and very timely. So thank you again.